Here we go. So today's daf is daf Chavhei, page 25, and we pick up from the bottom of Chav Dalit We're up two lines from the bottom of the page. We're up to the words Amar Rebbe Nachman. All right? Now, we're in the middle of a sugya. We started a sugya a few lines ago, and the Gemara asked a question, were, what type of clothing were the Kahana men when they had the lottery, when they had the raffle? So we had a machlaikas. Rav Nachman said they wore street clothes. Why? So Rav Nachman gave a logic. And his logic was because you could have some tough guys. And the tough guys, uh, it's kind of like uh, the kids who before the raffle's done, they already grabbed the prize. Right? So Rav Nachman says, we're concerned. Yeah, I won already. Yeah, yeah. So the Rebbe says, we're concerned that if they're already wearing the big dekahuna, you might have some, some people, they don't use their uh, seichel, and uh, they'll start doing the Abayda by force. Therefore, we keep them out of the street clothes. Only if you win, can you go put on the big dekahuna and do the Abayda. That was the logic of Rebbe Nachman. Rebbe argued. Rebbe says, no. They wore their big day kahuna. Why did they wear their big day kahuna? So he has a different logic. Rebbe says, logic, um, this is what we ended off with, is that once somebody does win, okay, they're going to be so excited to do it, they may start doing it in the street clothes. So we want to make sure they're all wearing their big day kahuna already. All right? Gavald. That was the as we ended off with. Now, Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshas both gave svaras. They both gave logic. And now today's Gemara, we're going to focus on from here up until the Mishnah on Chavhei Amad Aleph. It's going to, be, it's going to focus on um, the proofs for that they're each going to bring to back up their logic, okay? What the proofs are, and then uh, we're going to have a new Mishnah towards about two-thirds of the way down on Chafei Omar Aleph, which is going to discuss what happened by the second uh, lottery, by the second raffle. So here we go. Two lines to the bottom, Amar Rav Nachman says, Min Aminullah, how do I know that the Kaihanim, according to him, they wear their street clothes, all right? Clothes, obviously, but they wear their non-big dick owner. The time we learned in the Mishnah, Misaron Lachazonim, that after they did the Gairul, so the Kahanim were then given to the, what's the proper word here? They're given to the jurisdiction of of uh, the Chazonim, um, yeah, Lachazonim, the the Shamoshim of the Beis Hamikdash, those who oversaw the Beis Hamikdash. And they would take the clothing of the Kehanim. They'd remove their clothing. And they would only leave their Mechnesayim. They'd only leave their pants up. Okay? This is how they switched it over. So says Reb Nachman, I'll prove to you that they wore their street clothes. Because it says they handed over their clothing after the lottery. Besides, my aren't we talking about the only the Kehanim that won the lottery were the ones who handed over their uh, were the ones who handed over their clothing, okay? And vice versa must be that everybody else was just wearing their clothes. They didn't need to give it over to these chazana. So Amar Ravunavar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav Sheshas Rav Yehuda Ravunavar Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav Sheshas. And again, who argued on Rav Nachman? Who was arguing him on the bottom of Amud Beis? It was Rav Sheshas. Rav Sheshas is going to respond to Rav Nachman's proof, and he says, the ones who gave over their clothing were the ones who didn't win. Now, according to Rav Sheshas, he was of the opinion that everybody immediately changed out of their street clothes. Everybody was wearing big day kahuna because just in case, yeah, they're going to get too excited and start the Abayda right away. And says Rav Sheshas, it's logical to explain the Brisa like this. How so? If you're going to tell me that only the Kahanim 
who won the lotteries, who won the raffle over here. Uh, they were the ones who handed over their clothing. What do you mean that they would hand over all their clothing besides for the mechnasayim, besides for the pants? What does it mean besides for the pants? But we don't do Had he known nothing could ever go on the kain's body before the pants, or under the pants, it has to directly be touching the flesh. It has to be directly on the body. Okay? So... So uh, Rav Shesha is going to respond to Rav Nachman that the Brisa logically seems to imply that everybody gave their clothing over to the Chazanim. It's not only referring to the, the winners. I says Rav Nachman, wrong. The Idach, and uh, Rav Nachman is going to respond, I do have a proof, because what you're asking on me is not a question. You can explain the mission as follows. And this is very logical. Listen to this. When the Kahanim showed up to the base of Mikdash, they're wearing their regular clothing. Okay? So then, Malbishin Aisai, Mechnesei Kaidish. The Chazanim in the base of Mikdash, those who worked in the base of Mikdash were in charge of overseeing the Begadim of the Kahanim. They would give them the big day Kahuna. However, Vahayum Afshitin Aisai, big day Chayil, but they, the, the big day Kahuna was given over at the same time that the regular garments were removed, but they always left on, they always made sure that the mechnesayim were left on. Here's the svar, in, in a very roundabout way, so to speak. We'll say it, just to get to the chase, we never want the kahanim standing there without anything on. And therefore, what are you going to do? Take off your clothes and then put on all the big they go in? No, they're not standing there without any clothes on. So the first thing they would do is put on the mechnesayim, okay, of the of the uh, big day kahuna. It's the first they would do. Then once that was on, then they would transfer. Okay, so they have their pants on at least. Then they would start transferring over the rest of their garments, and they would receive the remainder of the big day kahuna. But let's get back to the point. What, what's Rav Nachman's ultimate goal over here? Rav Nachman's ultimate goal was to prove. That only those that were Zaycha Lapayas, only those that won the lottery, were the ones who wore their big day Kaidesh. Everybody else wore their big day Chayil. And that's, that's Rav Nachman's, we'll call it his proof. Okay? Rav Sheshes is, is finding a little bit of a weakness and he's saying, Rav Nachman, I can explain the price a little differently. But that's why Rav Nachman gives his opinion. Okay? So that, that is the answer. We started out today with a question. Why would, does Rav Nachman, how does he come to his logical opinion that only the, the, those who are zaychet to pious, those who win the lottery, do it? So this is, he's basing himself off of this price. Okay, period, end of that discussion. Fine. Now that we understand where Rav Nachman is at least coming from, now let's move over and try to understand where Rav Sheshes is coming from when he says that, um, that uh, all the kaihanim were wearing uh, the big day kahuna at the time that the lots were done. Here we go. Amr of Sheshur. says, Mena How do I know my logic? The Tani learned in her b'risa. Lish gazis in the room of the cut up stones. Kimim b'silki g'day lohisa. That room was, was uh, fashioned like a, like a silky g'dayla. Okay? Silky g'dayla. Rashi here says it was a very high room and a very high ceiling. Okay, and the pious, the lottery 
was done on the eastern side of this room. V'zokin yeshim arova, and there was a zokin, which a zokin over here just, uh, uh, is, means any elderly Talmud Chacham who was, you know, what we'll call the buck stops here. You know, he's overseeing in case you have rock, paper, scissors, shoot, you didn't stick your hand out fast enough. In case there's any questions when it came to the lottery about whether it was fair, they would have a, a Zaki Nechad, they'd have a member of the Sanhedrin sitting there and, and overseeing the process, a referee, you know, so to speak. Okay. And the Kahanim would stand in a circle, Kemen Cholyer. Okay? A Cholyer basically is just a, a circular piece of jewelry, a round necklace. Just giving an example. They, they stood in a circle. All right? Now, the one appointed would come and take off the hats of one of them. Okay, take off the hat. You would take off the the mitznefes. So one kayin is now hatless. Okay. As soon as they took off his hat, everybody knew that he was the one. How do we start? Who, who's number one? Duck, 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 duck. Right? Who, who are we starting with? So. Whoever's not wearing the hat goes first. No hat beats hat. Okay, we start with no hat. Okay. Says Rav Sheish is beautiful. Yes, Rav Nachman, one second. Didn't we just say we're taking off the dude's hat, the Kayan's hat? Isn't that what we just said? Five He's wearing the big day kahuna. Hello. There's no hats on a regular. Uh, guy's not walking in with a cardinal's hat off the street. We're not taking off his baseball cap. Says the Gemara to Rav Sheshis is proof that they were bringing big the Gemara. Says the Gemara, nope, in. Yeah, Shaykh, it's possible that Kahanim came into the base of Mikdash wearing hats. That if a Kayan had a homemade Kutainis, yeah, where'd you get that fancy, snazzy hat? My mommy made it for me. Yeah, I got it from the mama. Okay, he was allowed to do it by the He wouldn't do it by the sea, but he do it by the So these apparently, here's what we have to keep in mind. Apparently, the hats that were homemade were permitted to not be kept in the same dressing area as everything else. Okay. Now, we learned prior. They have to be owned by the Beis Mikdash. Of course, they need to be klisharis. It has to be Devarim Shebekdush, as we own by the Beis Mikdash. But it's shayach to say that a Kayan would be coming if, if, there, if there are Kahanim whose mothers are weaving their special hats for them. Right? The, the, their, um, what's it called? When you, you have a special for you? Not quality. Uh, no, when somebody shapes a suit just for your butt. Why is this, this worse than But tailor made. It's tailor made. Yeah, special tailor made. So you guys got a tailor, the coin has a tailor-made hat from, from the mama. Okay. So that he'd bring it from his house. Period. Bottom line. Again, very gishmak. Rav Nachman tried to bring a proof from a brisa that they were not wearing big kahuna. Rav Shesha says, eh, not necessarily. Okay. Rav Nachman says, yes, necessarily. All right, but they argue. Then Rav Shesha is giving his proof and that they, that they did wear big day kahuna because they're wearing it at the time of the lots. Rav Nachman says, no, maybe the mother made it for them. So not necessarily. Rav Shesha says, no. Okay. So now, it's, what so gishmak is, 
we now know the logic for Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes. The logic for Rav Nachman, again, was we didn't want people to, to um, grab the Avaidah. The logic for Rav Sheshes was we didn't want people to start doing the Avaidah without, uh, without being dressed in the Big Day Kahuna. Then we brought Rav Nachman's back, uh, uh, background, you know, what, what he's supporting himself of. We brought Rav Sheshes background. But into these brises, we also saw the deficiency that Rav Sheshes found with Rav Nachman and Rav Nachman found Rav Sheshes to Mamela rely on the other brises. So we must have a full throttled understanding now of how each opinion came about. The sources, the problem with the sources, and ultimately the logic that, that came out of this. Beautiful. Okay. Amr Rabbi Abai says, Lishkasa Gazis, this room, that was Lishkasa Gazis, this room of the, of the cut up stones. Chetzyobakaidesh, very interesting. Half of the room is considered in the Kaidesh, and half of the room is in an area that is not considered the Harabayas. Okay? It's, it's a Chayel uh, area. Ushmamina. And you can learn from, from this room, Shneip Sachem Hayula. It must be this room had two entrances. Excuse me. Echad Pasuach Bakaidesh. One side opened up into the Kaidesh. Echad Pasuach Bakhel. Now, why? Where does he get this from? Where's Abai saying that you see from here that the room had two sides, a chayl room, a kaidish room, and two entrances? Where do you get that from? These are the if you say the entire cut-up stone room, okay, is in the kaidish. Zakin Yash Marava, they said there was a member of the Sanhedrin that sat in the Marava, sat on the western side of Amar but the Tana taught us, Ain Yeshiva Bazar, Elamalchi Bez Dov Babad, you only let us sit in Azara. If you're part of Malche Base David, he's not a king from David Amalek's house. He's not going to say the And if you're going to say the whole thing was not Kodesh, Pais bin Mizracha, one second. So how could the lots be done outside? Beautiful, yesterday's Pasuk of why we split up the lotteries into four parts so that there will be Hergish, right? There will be excitement and feelings amongst the Kahanim. Veleka, and they're not going to be. Beautiful. They're not going to be bebeiselai kim nahalech bragash. If you're going to tell me the area that they're in is not a kadosh area, it's a chayl area. Where is it beiselai kim nahalech bragash? You're telling me right now it's really not part of the base of mikdash. Rather, is so gishmak. Says Abaye. You see from beautiful the fact that they were in the east doing the lottery in the base of mikdash, and the zaki nechad was yishev v'marav in the west. It must be that one half of the room was was kadosh. Other side was Okay. Now, so now we know why he had his first assumption that it's half Kaidesh, half Why? How did he know there was two entrances? Where did he get that from? Where's the source of the two entrances? He says, he says I can prove from this bride. So there's half Kaidesh, half and each one has an entrance. Where does he get the entrances from? Says the Gemara. There's one entrance to Pasuach Kaidesh that opened up into the Kaidesh side of things on the eastern side where the Kahanim were. Zakin Yashub Marava and the Zakin sits in the West Vatana we learned in the Mishnah. Halishka Shavnuyas Bakhail of Zukh Bakhidesh, the rooms that are built in the Khail side and open up into Kaidesh, Taikhan Bakhidesh. The insides are the of the entire room, the inside of the entire room is considered holy. The Isokadaitah Basuach Khail. And if you're gonna tell me that it opened up only onto the Khail side, okay, onto the part that's not only Pius bin Mizracha. And, uh, and it was onto the side where the lats were done on the eastern side. But tonight we learned in the Mishnah, Benuyas Bakaydesh Psuchas Tachayil. Things that are built um, in a Kadesh area, which again, 
the lottery had to have taken place in a Kaddish area because Bebeis Alekim Nahalech Baradosh, okay? Taichen Chayel, the inside is Chayel. Avshma Minash, Neib Tzachem Ayula, Echad Pesuach B'Kaidesh, Ve'echad Pesuach La'Chayel. Beautiful, one opens up into the Kaidesh, and one opened up into the Chayel. Each one had its own unique area, unique side to this broken stone room, this cut stone room, and each side also had their own unique entrance, period. End of that discussion, that machlekes between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheishes. Ultimately, the Gemara does not prove one over the other. Each one is coming from a valid place. Beautiful. Uh, a valid place of Tanai. Okay. Brand new Mishnah. Here we go. What was the second lottery for? Yeah. The first lottery was three wrapped into one, right? The, the started with the Chuma Sadesha, and then it uh, went on to two additional Avaidas, because this is how it made, made it Kedai for the Kahanim to show up, to make sure to come early and give cover to the base of Mikdash, even if they're not necessarily going to win. But since they have a chance at this amount of money, psh, this, uh, these amount of mitzvahs, they would get up. Okay. Vaita. Pais Hasheni. Pais Hasheni, the second lottery. What was that for? Me, Shaykhet. The lottery was going to decide who's going to shecht the carbon. Okay? Now, I'm sorry, I, sp- I uh, skipped. Who's going to shecht the carbon? Yeah, who's going to shecht the carbon? Who gets to sprinkle the blood? And who's going to move the ashes, clean off the ashes of the Mizbeach? Excuse me. Who's going to clean out the menayr? Okay. Umi Maila Evarim Lakavesh. And also, who is going to bring up the Evarim? Who's going to bring the Evarim up the ramp to be burnt? Harish Vaharaga. And they carried the Raish Vaharagal. The Gemara is going to get into whether it was only the Rush Vaharagal, whether this was for starters. Ushtayayadayim. Kain Karishtayadayim Ha'iketz Vaharagal. The ukits, okay. The ukits is the tail, and the back legs, the the leg, v'achaza, v'hagera, the breast and the neck, ushteyad fanois, and the two flanks, v'hakarvayim, the insides, v'hasoyles, the fine flour that goes that comes along with the karmincha, v'chavitin, and whatever is needed for the the chavitin, okay. The chavitin, as we know was this uh, big gishmaka uh, matzah that was made with a certain amount of oil, a certain type of flour, and ultimately it was split up and used half in the morning, half in the afternoon. The hayayin, and the wine for the, um, for the pouring of the carbon. Okay? You have 13 kaihanim that were zoiche in it. Okay? Very good. Um, so if you look at the list that we just read, you'll get up to 13. Nine people schlepping, plus the original four who were involved in the carbon atomid and, and the, um, the, the shechita, the sprinkling, the menaira, and the inner mizbech. Okay? So that's, you have nine plus four equals 13. So it's very interesting. So they, you have 13 winners, okay, for the, the second round of lots. Omar ben Azai lefnei Rabbi Akiva mishum 
Benazai says in front of Rabbi Akiva, in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, Derech Hiluchai Hoya Karit. That if the Karbon Atomid is Makriv, the Karbon Atomid is Makriv the same way as it walked. Okay? Basically, he says the order of carrying the animal up the Kevesh had to be done when an animal would walk. You go in that order. So you start with the head and then you go to the, the, uh, the, the head, the shoulders, the front legs, so on and so forth. Okay, you move from the head all the way to the end. In other words, according to him, the back legs and the tail are going are gonna to be less. He argues over the specific order. Completely tangentially, but because it has to do with the bris that we had this morning and we're quoting here Rabbi Akiva. Okay, so we named our son this morning Akiva, after Rabbi Akiva. If you look at Rabbi Akiva's name, in the Mishnah, how's it spelled? Ayin Kuf Yud Vez Aleph. Okay? Ayin Kuf Yud Vez Aleph. The Temer Mishpucha spells Akiva Ayin Kuf Yud Vez Hey. Okay? Now, it's not a... Um, this is not a psak. I'm personally not saying that that's the proper way to spell it. But you see, throughout the Gemara, it's with an aleph. People are very makbid on spelling it with an aleph. The word name Akiva is not a family name. I do have a brother Akiva. Um, I'm assuming my father named him Akiva also after Rabbi Akiva. I'm not sure, but it's not. We did. It. We, we chose that name because of Sphere and because of what I spoke about um, this morning, the clarity that, uh, that Rabbi Akiva had, and particularly in, in today's time, where uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fogginess for people, um, but the reason why um, we're going to be spelling our son's name Ayin Kuf Yud is because of uh, Reb Moshe gives this psak, and uh, when my father named my brother Akiva, Reb Moshe told him that the way that we spell Akiva for a name, is, and don't get upset if your name's Akiva and you spell it with an Aleph, okay? It's also good, but he told, he told my father it should be spelled with a Hey. Why? It's beautiful. The Arzarua, famous Arzarua. Okay? So, why is his Sefer called the Arzarua? There's a fascinating story. Why is it called Arzarua? So, there's a story, my brother Aaron shared this with me, that the Arzarua was writing a get, writing a divorce document, and the husband's name was Akiva. And he spelled the name Ayan Kuf Yodveis Hey. He spelled it with a Hey. And the other G'daylem decided that he's misspelling names and they're putting him into Kherim. Any get that he's writes from now on is not going to be valid. Okay? That night, the Arzarua had a dream. And his dream, he saw the Pasuk. Ready for this? Arzarua la kuli simcha. The last letter in each one of those words of that Pasuk. R Reish, Zarua, Ayin, Latzadik, Kuf, Uli Yishrei, Yud, Lev, Bez, Simcha, Hey, Rav, Akiva, Reish, Ayin, Kuf, Yud, Bez, Hey. This is the Pesach he saw in a dream, and he took this as a message that the name Akiva is supposed to be spelled with a Hey, and he, he, he stayed stark. He stuck, his, he stuck his heels in. And this is why his sefer is called the Arzarua, because of this story. He named it after this dream. So Rabbi Shafranci told my father, 
he said, when you nowadays are named after Rabbi Akiva, because of the story, you're supposed to do it with a, with a hay. And the reason is, because as much as we want our children to be like Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva died a Misa Mishona. We know that he died a very sad death uh, by the hands of the Romans, where they combed, they combed his body. And, um, and therefore, we, we change the end from an olive to an hay. That's where the minna comes. For those, again, for those who do spell with a hay, a lot of people spell it now. But for those who do spell with a hay, it comes from this svara, it comes from this logic, the story of the Arzarua. Very interesting. The story of the Arzarua and this, uh, you know, and that Rabbi Kiva died with a Misa Mishunna, so you just, you, you, change, you change the end, you change the last letter. Okay, very interesting. Um, Alpi Svara, by the way, according to logic, it should be spelled with an Aleph, because really names that are from the Torah usually end with a He, and names that are Aramaic or from Gemara, Aramaic ends with an Aleph. Uh, so Rabbi Akiva himself, for sure, spelled his name with an Aleph. Akiva spelled his name with an Aleph. But that's where it became that even people are named after Rabbi Akiva do spell with a hey. Okay. Maybe there's other Svaras as well. I just found that to be interesting. All right, here we go. When they draw the lottery, okay? Do they do it um, one at a time? All right? In other words, does it end up on one and then the next 12 also win? Pick a number, go around, round, round, duck, 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 goose. Okay, you won the first one, and now the next 12 in line, get the next. Okay, or is there a new lottery for each Avodah? Listen, there were four lotteries. You can tell me that each one got its own on the second round. <laughs> right now, you just listed 13. Why are you only mentioning four? This is what the Mishnah means. There's four times a day where they gather together. doesn't mean that there's only four lotteries total. No, maybe it means there's four times a day where the bell rings. Yeah, and it's time for recess. Everybody comes together for the next uh, round of lotteries. But it could be each lottery. It could be each gathering had many lotteries together. Okay, fine. So you have no proof. There's no proof at this point as to whether... There was one lottery for all them, or each one got their own lottery. Period. Here we turn to the top of Amud Beis. Tashma, let's try to prove from here. Whether there was one lottery, and then the next, you know, whoever's left in order got it, or there's separate, separate lotteries. Rabbi Yudai Merbiudah says, There was no lottery for the Machta who carries the Ketairas, the coals for the Ketairas, whoever won the Ketairas also did the coals for the Ketairas. Help me out. Okay? So, what the Gemara says from over here is we have a proof that you could have more than one thing that's included in a lottery. Because when you win the lottery for the Ketairas, the things that come along with the Ketairas also just come along. Says the Gemara Shkayach, thank you. But that's when things come along with it. That's all one thing. But we're asking, you have no proof, because we're asking that each one of these are a separate part, of, it's a separate Avaida, separate part of the Avaida. And therefore, <laughs> we're not going to necessarily say that, uh, that, that, it, that it goes hand in hand. Maybe it's not a separate, we have no proof. Period. Okay. Ikidamri. There are those who try to prove it as follows. Davka, machta ukateris. Maybe davka by the machta, the shavu, and the kateris, the chada vaydi, avol, shara vaydis, pais. Maybe everything does need separate refs. Now, machta, it's richelet. 
The reason why Rabbi Yehuda has to mention it like this is because uh, by the machta, by the shoveling of the coals, because I would have thought to say, why would I thought not? I would have thought to say, listen, since this is not commonly done, okay? The Keteris was done, Rashi explains, um, um, the Rashi explains the Keteris was only brought twice a day, okay? While anything that had to do with the Korban Atomid was constantly taking place in the base Hamikdash. It was a much larger production when it came to the Korban Atomid. So I would say maybe Taka, you know, something that's less involved and, you know, not as, it doesn't take as much time in the base of Mikdash, not as commonly done. Maybe Taka should do a separate raffle. Kabash Malon therefore lets us know that, no, one winner gets the Kataras, and if they need help, they can ask any kind to help them out and carry the calls. Okay, bottom line is we still don't have a proof as to these 13 Avodas, whether we did one raffle and whoever it landed on got number one and everybody else got after that, whether it was 13 completely separate raffles, we still don't know. So the Gemara says, Tashma, let's try to prove from here. And this is going to be a standing proof. taught us in a We did not do a separate lottery for each part of, for each However, the Kayenu won the Tamid. Guess what he did? The Kavanah Tamid. The next 12 in line got the next 12 Avaidas. Shmamina, boom, straight, straight up Raisa telling us there was one lottery that uh, that was done. And it wasn't 13 different lotteries, period. We are done with that uh, part of the Mishnah and that particular discussion. Okay. Two dots. About a little less than a third of the way down now on Chafei Mabez, 25b. Pius Hasheni. We said in the Mishnah that uh, we discussed the Pius Hasheni, the various Avaidas that were lotteried off. They asked the question searching for information. Who did the Kabbalah Saddam? Shaykhim Makabal. Do we say the one who shechted the carbon atom and also the Kabbalah Saddam? If you're going to say the one who sprinkles it, caught the blood. Maybe because he's so excited to sprinkle, he may go too fast, yeah, and he may not, uh, he may not wait and accept all the blood. Or do we say that Takano, the one who sprinkles it, is also the one who catches the blood? Because if you can tell me the shaykhet is mekabel, zimnin zar. There's times where a zar is going to shecht, and he cannot do the kabbal. Okay, now this is a beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful question. What's the question? So like this. If you look back at the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, what did they do by the second lottery? Let's talk outside. What did they do by the second lottery? Uh, I'll tell you what they did. We did a lottery. Who shechts the carbon? And then what? Who sprinkles? What happens in between the Shechita and the Zerika? You got to catch the blood, Right? You got a hailach, you got to carry the blood over to the sprinkling. Ask the Gemara, who caught the blood? It doesn't say in the Mishnah, that wasn't auctioned off. So did the catching go to the one who shechted, or did the catching go to the sprinkler? Now here is why it's a, additionally why it's a beautiful question. Because there's logic would dictate both ways. We know that the carbon atomic did not 
it was not ma'akev for a Kohen to shecht it. A Yisrael was permitted to shecht the Korban Atom, but a Yisrael is not allowed to collect the blood of the Korban Atom. So it says the Gemara like this, usually a Kohen did it. So if a Kohen shechting it, okay, so then he could also do the Kabbalah Zadam. But what if a Yisrael shechted the Korban Atom, and usually the way it was done is whoever shechted did the Kabbalah Zadam, you may run into a problem if the Shechita guy does the Kabbalah. Because you might end up with Yisrael doing Shechita and then doing the Kabbalah. You might end up with a problem. But you have a problem the other way too. You know why? Because if we tell the sprinkler to, do the, to catch the blood, which is the other option, the guy's, the, the Ikar Avaida is the sprinkling. So he may not catch enough blood and not do it properly because it's kind of like we're in a relay race in color war and one guy's trying to give it over to the other, the other guy starts too fast. Yeah, he doesn't wait. No, you got to restart again. Oh, come on, we lost five steps, right? You got to restart again. The cayenne who's doing the sprinkling, the, the sprinkling may, may get a little too antsy and, and not do a proper Kabbalah Saddam. So I have a logic telling me why the Shechita guy shouldn't do it and a logic telling me why the Zrika guy shouldn't do it. So that, that's why we have this beautiful question, okay? That's why we're kind of stuck over here and this is what we're trying to, uh, to clarify. So it says the Gemara like this, Tashma, come and listen to try to answer this question. Ben Cotton Asar, Shneim Asar, Dar Likior. Ben Cotton made 12 different uh, dad. A dud is a, uh, it's, it's like a nipple, all right? But it's, a, it's an exit way for liquid, okay? So he made a spout for the Kira Kadeshu, Shneim Asar, Echorak, Ahanim, Asuk, Metamas, the 12 Kahanim, who are involved in the Avaidah of the Tamas, the Kachim, the Raglim, the can all do the Kiddush, Udayim, Raglayim. All at once. Okay? Very gishma. Now, um, the reason for this is, Rashi explains, how many Avaidas did we just list in our Mishnah? How many lotteries were there? 13. It says there were 12 spouts, though. So Rashi explains, you know why? Because as we explained, the Shechita didn't need to be done by a kind. And therefore, Yisrael never did Kiddush Yudayim Raglayim. So the actual shechita did not, the Kiddush Yudayim Raglayim was not ma'akiv, the shechita. So you really only needed 12 at a time, okay? Tell me the one who did the shechita, also the Kabbalah, you should have 13 because you have an additional person who's obligated to do the Avaidah. You learn from here, Zarek Makabal, and says the Gemara, that's correct. The one who sprinkled was the one who caught the blood. We learned this in a Mishnah, straight up. And he comes to do the sprinkling. Boom. Who again? So what's the answer? We ask the question: Who does the Kabbalah Zadam? The shochet, the slaughterer, or the sprinkler? Answer is the sprinkler. Okay. Period. End of that discussion on that part of the Mishnah. Amar Benazai says, in front of Rabbi Akiva, he, he argued on the order that the limbs were brought up the Mizbeach, and he says, it's gotta, according to Benazai, it's got to be brought up uh, the same way it walks, from head to tail. Okay. Tan Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we case How... What would be the order? Well, according to Benazai, who says you do it, the way that the animal walks, what is that order? So, so the way it works is, first the head, and then the rug. 
Okay? It's very interesting. The Reishvarov, because the, the back right leg moves first to move the body forward. Hachazavagira, the breast and the neck, Ushtayadayim, and then the two front legs. Ushtayadivonais, and then the two flanks. Ha'ukitzvaregal, finally the tail and the back leg. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yaisi, everybody says, no, Derechavshita Hilkari. It was offered, however it was skinned, however the skin was removed, that's how we brought up the carbonus. And therefore, Ketach Derechavshita, how was animal skinned? Haraishvarogel. So, so far, we're so far so good. It's the same. He's agreeing it's the Raish Vaharagal. Ha'okitz Vaharagal. Then he says the tail and the hind leg. So he's, that's how he's arguing. Ushtei defanes. And then the two flanks. Ushtei ayadai. And then the two front legs. Achaz Right? Because think about it. When an animal gets hung and it's skinning. Okay? So the, the way that it's skinned is going to be the head, the 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 back right leg, the ukits and the uh, up and the ukits um, varega uh, shtei defanois, and then achaza vehagira. Why? So Rashi tells us because the way it was skinned is it would hang from its uh, hang from its leg, its back right leg. That's how it would hang. Okay, and it was skinned from back to front as opposed to top to bottom. It went from back to front. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says derech nichusa hekari. It's not a matter of how it walked. And it's not a matter of how it's skinned. Rather, it's a matter of how we cut it up. And how was it cut up? How was an animal cut up? First, So, so far, everybody's in agreement. You start with the head and the back right leg. That it was brought up in the order of value. Okay? Order of value. And that is. first. You know, Okay, so I guess he's agreeing that you start with the Raish Varagal, even though it's not necessarily the most valuable. But then you have. Okay. Says the Gemara, one second. It says that all of the, the according to Yura Gesagvili, who says it goes by value, it, uh, there's a Pasuk that tells us that the best value is the thighs and the shoulder. So why don't you put that before the, uh, why is that put before the flanks? The flanks should go after the head and the right leg because that has the most value. Says the Gemara, no. That's only talking about an animal that doesn't have much fat. It's kachosh, it's, uh, it, there, there's not much fats on it. And um, so the, 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 usually when an animal doesn't have so much fat, the part that has the most meat is going to be the thigh. But over here, we're taka dealing with, uh, with actual value. Okay. Amar Ravah says, you should know, Bain Tana Didano, Bain Rav Yaisi. Artana and Rav Yaisi both agree, basically they both hold. Basar ilui the bisra zinon that you follow the value and the quality of the meat. Mar also basar ibra the bisra, but one is fa- uh, the the Tanakama is talking about not what's most kishmak and the highest value, but rather which part of the body actually has the most physical meat on it. Okay, so you can have a shoulder. A shoulder is going to have a lot of meat, but it might be a lower value than a ribeye. 
Okay, so what, what's, what, what do you mean by, 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 by more? Do you mean by more meat? Or do you mean by more value? So our Tana says by more meat. Tana Kam is more meat. And if Yaisi is following not, uh, not how much meat, but the marbleization of the meat, how much fats is, is uh, built in to the meat to give it a gishmak. Okay. Now, no matter how we viewed it, whether it was the Tanakama, whether it was Rabbi Yaisi, whether it was Rabbi Akiva, whether it was Rabbi Yaisi, the first two things that got brought up on the Mizbeach, everybody agreed, was the Reish Vaharaza. Everybody agreed. Ask the Gemara why. It doesn't make sense logically even. My time is Soka Rego Bahade Reisha. Why does the back right leg have to go with the head? Since the skull has minimal meat, Therefore, we dafko. We specifically brought the uh, brought the legs, which the the back right leg, which usually the right side is going to have a little more meat than the left side. So it, w- it had a lot of meat, and therefore it didn't look like we're just offering bones. We wanted to give a gishmaka part with the right side, along with the heads. This didn't look, you know, the head was should, should go first. That was the svara, and if you're going to bring that first, give, give a, a nice uh, a nice kazunta piece of meat to go along with it. Okay. Now, why the head? Why does the head have to go first? We said the reason why the right leg goes with the head is because the head doesn't have much meat. So why is the head not going first? Everybody agrees the head goes first. Why? How do you know the head and the fats come before all the little its head and its fat, then the Kayan sets it up, so the head is listed first. The Idach and the other, uh, and the Frakti Gomara, the Idach, but the Idach Peder Achrina, and the other time that it says Peder, top of tomorrow's daf, Lamai Asa, what's it coming to teach us? If you already know how it's supposed to be set up and how it's supposed to be brought, why are we mentioning the fats? The Gemara says, how did the Kayan do the Raishva Padar? Nice and as a He put the fats over the cut of the neck. Umaleu and brought up together Vizehu Derech Kovat Shamala. And the way and the reason why this was done was out of cover. Okay? That it shouldn't look like we're bringing up something cut. So we covered up the cut. We covered up the cut with a Geshmaka piece with fats. And uh, and uh, therefore. It uh, you know it didn't look like it was lacking anything. If you bring a cut piece, it looks like oh we cut something off. Like you can't have everything I cut this part off. We covered up with fats to make it look like a uh, a complete piece. Okay, we'll hold it here for today and Bezhan pick up with the brand new Mishnah tomorrow at twelve fifteen in Arab Shabbos. Okay, we'll pick up tomorrow at twelve fifteen. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.